Siri. What movies are Emily Blunt in? I have found a business called Blunt Objects or whatever. You're like, what Siri? <laughs> Within two miles of your location. Like, Here is the nearest pot dealer to you. Well, I was going to say that, but then I was like, Siri wouldn't know that. <laughs> and that's why you know Siri is not a human. Alright, welcome to the Daily Screening. My name, as always, is Daily, and uh, joining me today is uh, my lovely wife, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Hello. And my partner in temporal crimes, Bartholomew Devon. Hello, Bart. Did I get downgraded from metaphysical and geographic, like, Carmen Sandiego crime? Well, no, I felt temporal. I figured, you know, we're talking time travel today, so it seemed... We are talking time travel. Back to a time when Tom Cruise thought he was an action star. No, it's... Dude, uh, okay. Well, we're talking The Edge of Tomorrow today, which, my God, like, what? talk about a terrible title. I mean... Talk about a, could you come up with a less meaningful title? The original title for the record of this movie, because it's based on a, on a novel, on a, a, I think it's a graphic novel, but... Uh, Emily Blunt with a cloud sword. Sadly, no. Uh, the original title is All You Need Is Kill, which is a great title. That That's fantastic. I love that. I'd show up for that movie in a heartbeat. Edge of Tomorrow, you need to convince me to go see. Well, it doesn't really roll off the tongue, does it? No, I know, but that's why it's great, because it's, you gotta go, well, what? Uh, what does that mean? It's also not what the movie's about. Well, and it's, you know what? And it's funny because you kept hearing the uh, Marines uh, marching around in the background, and they were like, they, I don't remember exactly what it was they were saying, but. Was it all you need is kill? Well, no, but the, he would ask, the, the drill sergeant would ask them a question, and their response would be, would always, always kill. And so I kept waiting oh. for one of them to say, all you need, you know, what is it, what is it all you need, or something like oh, that, and oh. they would say kill. Well, they, they did a little bit of that. Yeah. Imagine if they... <laughs> all you need, Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so, we're talking Edge of Tomorrow. Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt. Uh, it's a Groundhog Day meets... Uh... So, you remember that time when the Sentinels from the Matrix got loose? Yep. And and the guys in the mech suits from the Matrix. Uh, but, but, but Groundhog the, Day but... was happening in, inside of it. Yes. Yeah. But here's the thing. I, I I liked it. I really liked it, actually. Did you? I did. I liked it. Bartholomew? I don't know if I'm just biased because I think Tom Cruise kind of sucks. Oh, really? Because I love Tom Cruise. I just, love him. I just... It's, it's, a, it's a cool concept, but I was so bored for so much of it. Oh, really? Even the... Yes. Even the... Through the, like, you know, basically all the second act stuff where he's doing all the resets? Uh, okay, I thought the very beginning had rhythm problems. The okay. very beginning. I thought that... I mean, anyone who has seen a trailer for this movie... You know what? It's like Spider-Man from when, when they tried to, tried to do the reveal of Electro's face. Yeah. As if we hadn't already seen that. A million times, yeah. Did any of us not know what, what the basic premise of this movie is when the tr- poster says, live, die, repeat? Or it's something true. like that? Yeah, no, that's right. So, I felt like they took too long to try to establish the fact that he can be killed and then start over again. It's like, I got it. I knew that already. But I think that's less about 
um, establishing the plot of the movie and more about establishing his character. Yeah, I agree. And how he's going to grow and change into a soldier as opposed to this cowardly guy who does everything to avoid being a soldier. Yeah, I think you need to spend a lot of time with Tom Cruise as an utter shit heel uh, because that's what makes him interesting in this movie is that he doesn't start as... Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise yeah. badass action soldier, uh, and it's not just a matter of like, well, he has to, you know, learn how to fight, but it's that like he has to grow a, he literally has to like grow a spine. He has to like be take on the mindset of someone who can, you know, take care of themselves and others on a field of battle. And see? honestly, like I needed to see him earn it because all I knew about this movie was, you know, oh, he's a soldier and he die, and when he dies, it resets, and so he's trying to use that to beat the enemy. I started to get nervous because I watched an interview with him on The Daily Show yep. where he was talking about, you know, one of the interesting things about his character is that, like, he's not the great soldier. Like, Emily Blunt is the great soldier. Like, she's the one who's a lot better. She's the one who should be able to do this, but she can't, so he needs to do it. And I even turned to Daily and I was like, I am so sick of seeing movies where it's, like, actually the woman who should be the one in charge and who should be the one doing things. But for some, like, stupid reason, it's always the man. And, like, not only is she not doing things, but she has to, like, train him instead of just doing it herself, which is what she should be doing, you know? So it's like, I needed to see him earn it and not just be like the dead weight that she's got to carry around because it was going to make me really annoyed that I wasn't watching a movie about Emily Blunt. So watching him like actually step up, I'm not saying I wouldn't still prefer to see a movie about Emily Blunt because I would and it would, be, same. it would be wonderful to see a movie exactly like this where the roles are reversed. But it's why I needed to see him earn the skills because then at least I'm a little bit less upset about seeing him be you know, generally the lead and generally the protagonist because it's like, oh no, now he actually does have the skills. He's See, not just like, it should be her. Like, he now can be the guy. And this is my problem with Tom Cruise, though. Because he's Tom Cruise, you never have, for even a second, doubt that he's not going to be the hero at the end. Because he's Tom yeah. Cruise. He's Tom Cruise. And we saw him acquire the skills and we saw him be a shithead at the beginning. I never saw his character change. I saw him gain the skills. I have no I can't explain why he suddenly decided that he needed to do everything. Oh no, see I actually loved one of my favorite bits, so you know, like the Groundhog Day comparison is very easy to draw here. Certainly. Um and but one of my favorite uh bits in the movie is that, you know, you really do see um just like in Groundhog Day, you see him go through sort of phases and cycles of how he's dealing with this, with having this ability to reset the day and to keep reliving the same set of events over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so just like, you know, there's the bit, uh, you know, for, for Bill Murray, where Phil Connors just basically just kills himself every day because he just, he just can't hack it and he just doesn't, he's just he's like, fuck it, I don't care. And he's just finding different ways to kill himself. There's that really great bit in the, uh, like right around the middle of the movie or a little, little bit past the halfway mark where he kind of has the same thing. Like he doesn't, he's just sort of wandering through the battlefield, letting other guys get killed. Like, fuck it, he's going to die. The plane's going to fall on the fat guy. And like, I don't even give a shit anymore. And like, I really felt like I was... the day where he deserts, where he actually yeah. just doesn't go. Right, no, exactly. So, like, you see, like, I felt like that that was a really effective bit for me, because it, it was. It was felt like seeing his, you know, his 
personality go through and a I, lot of different And I changes. think, honestly, that day where he deserts is really where he changes. Cause, yeah. And I don't even think it's that that guy in the bar call, like calls him a coward because he sees that he's in an army uniform, but he's not at the battle. Right. It's the fact that he sees that they're in London. Yeah. And so when he sees the, that the mimics are in London, that's where he's really like, okay, I need to use this. And I yeah, need it's to not just about these soldiers dying on this battlefield. Yeah. It's like, it's this like is the, the whole end of world it. Yeah. is going to get destroyed. See, I think that needed to come a little sooner. I think he. I think there needed to be a, at least one or two more, you know, days. Yeah. Where he, at the very beginning, where he tried to get away, or just something to make to to uh, shore up what, that he was a coward at first. Well, you know, and no, give him a, and give him a real reason. Yeah. To, to stick with it. Well, I think it's interesting um, the way that they sort of execute the uh, you know the the concept the mechanism of him reliving the same day. You know, it's it's really interesting. So, you know, there's the, the old adage in film is show, don't tell, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't give us... Like, so Jamie and I watched I, Frankenstein the other night, which was god-awful. the worst movies we've ever seen. And we thought... We knew it was going to be bad, but we thought it was going to be, like, cheesy, good, fun, bad. Like, I thought I was going to... I thought I was going to love it for all the reasons I love, without irony, um, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. I love that movie. It's so good. Um, so I thought I, Frankenstein was going to be the same way. Oh, no, God. no, it's so, not, bad. so it's very self serious. So it's terrible. But one of the Who's things, so Aaron, Aaron Eckhart, Eckhart plays the Frankenstein's monster. How did they convince him to do that? I don't know. Um, uh, the very beginning of that movie is literally instead of seeing, you know, throwing us into everybody knows the Frankenstein story, you know. So instead of like throwing us into the tail end of that story or seeing any of that stuff play out, it literally starts with like voiceover of Frankenstein They're, being like showing like, it to us. Yeah, but it's yeah. all voiceover. It's like, voiceover and flashback. His wife, and yeah. then we went to the Arctic, and then we fought, and then these people came and got me. Yeah. It, so it's like it's like God, like you couldn't have done anything better with this. It's not like you really need to explain the mechanics of this story. Like people know this story, just like. You know, toss us in, like, let us sort of see how it plays out in this like, universe, I, you know? Instead of being hunted, I started the, hunting the people hunting me. And yeah. Like, yeah, I'm glad you told me that. I was very confused about what was going on here until you explained that to me. So there's, so I, that's a good example of fucking that up, of telling as opposed to showing, right? Okay. Um, so I, one of the things I think is really interesting about uh, Edge of Tomorrow is that we don't see every iteration of him you know going learning the moves on the battlefield or you know whatever like we are very frequently just sort of told oh i we've been here before or this is the seventh time we've done this or whatever or like oh we never get past the helicopter or you know whenever we get here we get ambushed and you know before we find a car as opposed to spending a lot of time visually going through repeating a scene over and over again a lot of times they just cut to the chase by having him say are you saying that's a good or a bad thing? i'm saying that i actually even though it sort of goes against the idea of show don't tell i feel like it's actually really smart and it really works in this context uh specifically because it allows the, the the story to get one over on the audience a little bit. So, like when they go when they're in the farmhouse, uh, and we have to sort of realize at the same pace as Emily Blunt that like, oh wait a minute, this isn't the first time we've been here. Like we never know basically if it's the first time he's been through a scene or not until eventually he'll say something, you know. But we walk into every scene basically 
in the same shoes as Emily Blunt, where we don't necessarily know how far we're going to get or what he knows and what he doesn't know. I like that, though, because yeah, it, no, gives I do it, too. Depth. Yeah. it gives it, like, a sense of, even though you know you've only seen, like, let's say, ten repetitions, yeah. that he's probably been through, like, close to a year's worth of oh, repetitions. Say, like, you can tell he's been through at least a year's worth of this day. Oh, like, I think he's been through far more than that, yeah. over and over and over. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I like... Knowing that, like I and I mean, I love the scene where they're trying to go get that thing that'll connect him to yeah, the yeah, Omega, yeah, the tracking device thing, and yeah. you don't realize because it's all we see is what looks like them coming up with the idea to go get the thing, right? And then it yeah, cuts then, to them going to get it, and except, he already knows all yeah, the moves. Except yeah, except he's right. counting out loud all their steps, like that guy recognizes you, duck, yeah, like yeah. He, one, two, turn, three, four, go this way. And yeah. so then you realize, oh, he's clearly done this like a hundred times yeah. already. Well, it cre- and and it, I think it's used in, in sort of just the right mix so that, uh, you know, sometimes, yeah, we cut to like the time where, like the 15th time where he's doing something and it already, and this is the one where it works. And sometimes it's, no, they only get halfway and then it'll suddenly reset. So the audience doesn't necessarily... You know, it keeps the audience off balance a little bit. Like, at any moment, like, it could all go to shit, or it could just be like, oh, but it's gonna work, there are just so you know? many little one-liners like that. Like, again, when they are in there, and now they're talking to Brendan Gleeson and everything, and he's, and he just turns to Emily Blunt at one point when she's getting short-tempered, and just like, don't shoot him yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you shoot him again. That's a great minute, yeah. yeah. And then he, like, it turns back, and it's just like, <laughs> I love that. I love little things like that. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was very effective. But at the very beginning, like, the yeah. first time he's reliving the day, yeah. I thought that one went on a little too long yeah well they always have that it's kind of like you were saying i mean that's i think probably the the bit where it takes a little yeah you're right it, it takes a little bit well long. to show his like shell shock you know right. if they just went straight into like and now we're gonna repeat 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 like i think you do need a couple of slow repetitions just right. to let him sink into it but even then they then jump they jump into that very quickly too because yeah you get like his sort of one full repetition and uh, then a couple of short ones and then they it very quickly, and this is where I said like, you know, uh, where it keeps the audience off balance a little bit because they jump like right into him trying to save Emily Blunt and like you know pushing her into the the empty plane and like shooting without looking and like we haven't seen him go through any yeah. failed attempts at that point, so it just sort of jumps to like oh I guess he's already done this a couple of times so like that like See, you that works fine th- yeah this, it yeah. allows the story to surprise the audience because like all of a sudden he'll just know shit. Without you realizing that he knows it, um, and and like I said, the way that he deals with that knowledge, where like sometimes he's really kind of snappy and fun and clever, like all of the versions of him meeting, meeting all of Jay the troops, yeah, yeah, that's all, that's squad. that's really great, um, and like help throwing the the cover over the rest of the bed so they don't the see the card game, him, yeah. yeah, exactly, all that stuff is fantastic. But then like you know when he runs into the two guys later who are looking for him and he's just sort of warily like closes his eyes and like sidesteps out of the way and it's like okay fine let's just do let's let's just get over this so i can keep going on about my day mm-hmm. um so th- yeah there's a there's a nice range there in the story really uh where it starts to slow down and you know or where it really kind of starts to go off the rails is once he loses his time travel power um yeah because but see i think in a way you needed that though because like bart was saying oh it's a tom cruise movie you know there's you know he's never really going to be in trouble as long as he can always reset the day right he's never really in trouble no exactly so no the you fact need it that now he can't die yeah. and that he sticks with it like i feel like you need that for part of the character arc like knowing that he can't die and yet he continues on with the mission right and knowing that if i die now that's it it's done 
No, he definitely needs to lose the powers. That's for sure. I agree, but it, at that point, I mean, the whole Louvre sequence, he was a little too... The which sequence? The Louvre? Well, the whole the Louvre sequence. Yeah. The whole Louvre sequence. Well, he was a little too indestructible for me. Well, and, and, well but they all were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Him and Blunt. I was going to say, the black dude literally dies last in this movie. Yay! He was the last one to go. So, that's amazing. <laughs> the Louvre sequence feels a little... Um, he, because he's gone through everything a million times, so there's this sort of elegance to, or he just sort of knows where where to go and what to do. So then, the sort of haphazard nature of the Louvre sequence makes it feel a little uh, disjointed. Like I, I, you're right. He needs to lose the powers. You need to have those stakes um, for for the you know the final fight there. But yeah, something about it just feels very very haphazard um and so it just it doesn't feel like it flows quite as well as some of the other battle sequences right. and, and, and this is part of and this goes back to what you said about emily blunt being the actual more super soldier. yeah absolutely but the thing is that if you think about it given the mechanics of the movie she isn't really because the reason why she was the, the war hero the legend is right. because she'd been through her battle a thousand times mm-hmm. too and so well, but that means that she has... that. That's true. I mean, it's true in the sense that, like, the battle that she won, A, she got to fight that battle so many times that she perfected it, and B, apparently they let her win. But it also means that she has the super fighter skills. Like, every battle she's been in since then, yeah. she's had to fight on her own, right. you know, and she's been doing very well, did, apparently. Did we know that she had been in any other battle since then? Uh, well, I mean, well, she, she may not have been, there may not have been a big major push like that, but I mean, cert, I don't know. It's, it's not, well, it's we not do really get clear. to see her fight on the beach for a while before she's killed, and she seems to be doing a kick-ass job. Plus, yeah. she does all that well, she training least, stuff, and she's awesome yeah, in that say, training room. At the room. very least, I mean, she having done one battle at least three hundred times, like that. I say you she, know, I am she willing to believe she is a yeah. super fighter. So even if she only and went, she from, trained Cruz, and he becomes a super right. fighter. So I believe that she is a super even fighter. if she just went from Verdun to to this new battle yeah. in, in France. Which, by the way, I mean. You know, I think it's really interesting. And the timing that, of all of this? Yeah, exactly. That yeah. it's literally a, a, a world war storming the beaches of France, and this movie was released on D-Day? Is it? Are they storming the beaches in France? I'm yeah. never yeah. really clear yeah, about that. Yeah, they're storming beaches well, in France. How, are we sure it wasn't England? Because yeah. they were yeah. deploying from Heathrow. No, yeah, okay. no, they're, they're flying into France. Because I was never really clear on that, because they were deploying in Heathrow, and they kept making France sound like a lost cause. And then it's the mimics getting into London that signals the end of the war. So I was like, are they trying to attack a beach in France, or are they trying to defend a beach in London? No, in they're, England? they're attacking like, a I beach in France. I don't understand what they're doing. At the very beginning, the, the actor from Harry Potter, Brendan Gleeson, Brendan Gleeson, yeah. Brendan Gleeson yeah. whose name I don't know, um, tells him that, you know, France shows very little activity in France, we're going to have a big engagement there, and you're going to be on the front lines, and yeah. he says, no, I'm not, and then... Oh, okay, because yeah. that's what I was trying to remember, I was like, is up. this a yeah. D-Day mimic, or are yeah. we in, in England? No, and then, I mean, granted, and then they literally have, like, D-Day veterans sitting in a bar, like, later in the movie, so, yeah. I mean, it's certainly not unaware of the imagery, and I think the fact that it's literally, the movie was literally, like, wow. released on the anniversary D-Day of D-Day, yeah. well, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean... It, it's certainly, aw- I mean, it's certainly aware of that, but yeah, the timing of that is, it's hard, especially, you know, this weekend, it's hard not to yeah. think about that, like, yeah. while watching that sequence, you know? Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little crazy. Um, wh- one of the most compelling things about this movie is that it seems to sort of ape the structure, or the experience, at least, of playing a video game. 
you know, where you have to learn an enemy's movements just by, like, rote memory. You have to remember, okay, the guy's going to yeah. take two steps to the left, and then you have to duck, and then you have to shoot to the right, and then yeah. back up, you know, like... And the only way you do that is by dying. By yeah, exactly. And when you fuck up, you kill yourself so you can start the level over again, and, like, all, you know... Yep. So, you know, everyone's saying, oh, this, it's like it's like this is the best video game movie ever made, even though it's not actually based on a video game. Um, so, no, it's based on all video games. Well, so, uh, yeah, so that's my thing. I guess what I'm, what I'm thinking is, or what I'm wondering, is if this was actually based on, a, if it was like the same, uh, you know, plot mechanism, and it was actually existing within a video game movie, a movie based on an existing video game property. And, and therefore directed by Dr. Uwe Boll. Right. Would it feel gimmicky? You know, yes, absolutely. like like the way that uh, it, still, uh, it, it still feels gimmicky, right? But I think the fact that it's, I feel, it, I think it's a different feel though. Like that's that's the thing that I think a lot a lot of people seem to be praising is that the time loop thing works, and I you know I I loved it. I think it I yeah. think it, they make it really compelling. And like I said, the way they mess with the story and what the audience does and doesn't know versus what the characters do and don't know yeah. is really interesting. So it like it, certainly it's like the high concept of the movie. But it's not, you know, it, it remains engaging through the movie. Whereas, like, you know, I feel like a lot of times video game movies, like, the one that immediately jumps to my head is Doom. Where they uh, actually had a sequence of the movie that is first-person shooter. Like, it is the main character's point of view, and you see a gun at the bottom of the screen right. and how he walks around. So they're literally trying to make it look like a video game that you're playing. Right. Um, and if, Yeah, and it, and it feels like a gimmick. It feels like, like a shtick that they're doing, like a weird little hooky thing. Like here, I it, it works so well, but I can't help but wonder, like, would people have the same reaction if this was part of, like, a Splinter Cell movie or something like that or you know an Assassin's Creed movie like all of these movies that are based on games that are coming out because there still has yet to be a really great video game movie um, which is why people you know yeah. they're making drawing that comparison now because it really it feels like a game and I'm not even a big gamer Bart you're probably more of a gamer than mm, I am at this point in days. that you've played a video game in the last three years you're probably a well, more of a gamer I than certainly me. have in the past three years yes. yes I don't even own a platform or anything so I don't play yeah. games anymore so the last one I bought was a PS2 there we go <laughs> which uh, that, that was a while ago yeah Oh, yeah, that was a long time ago yeah, now. Exactly. So I do like, by the way, um, this is not exactly what you're talking about, but I just thought about it. The way that they can like sidestep any potential questions about how exactly this all works just by being like aliens. We don't really know. Like there was one part <laughs> I forget exactly like what they're talking about, but it's like one of the first conversations he has when it's him and Emily Blunt and the Doctor all in yeah. that like underground Note room, Taylor, who and I love. he's saying something about like. Well, but how did how did they transfer it to me, or how did this work, or how does it? And he's like, you know, we're not really sure about that part yet. And Emily Blunt just holds her hand up, and she's like, regardless, and like, <laughs> and, like moves the co- and she literally says the word regardless. She's like, yeah. regardless of that, and continues the conversation. I was like, that was awesome. No, I actually was impressed with the movie because I felt like, yeah, every time I started to have a question about like like the big one that was in my head uh, at first was. Um, okay, well, if the whole thing is that this is, like, a power the aliens possess to reset the day, and they can just overcome anything, then, like, why would they have let Emily Blunt be, like, win a battle and, like, be a hero in the first place? And, like, literally, as the question was running through my head, Tom Cruise was like, well, then why would they ever let you win a battle and be a hero in the first place? Like, yes, thank you, Tom Cruise. Yeah. What's the deal with that, you know? I will say I'm glad he said when he woke up after the blood transfusion, I'm glad he told her... 
he could feel that he no longer had the power because that was one of my questions when Emily How Blunt yeah when know? Emily Blunt yeah. was saying she lost the power after she got a blood transfusion I was like how would you know, though? Because I would be running around operating under the assumption I still had the power until I died and, and didn't like, wake up, at which case I wouldn't even know, yeah, you know? So, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that after he got his blood transfusion, he was like, I can, I can feel, feel it. it. Like, yeah. I know it's gone. I can feel it. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I'm I'm very happy with this. And look, and actually, I, I love Tom Cruise to begin with, and he I feel like he hasn't had a, a real solid big like lead hit in a while um are they gonna assume this is a hit if it gets beaten by the fault in our stars and maleficent though well, yeah i would say that's what it looks like and i don't think that it i don't think so that's the thing like so i'm saying like and this is not to besmirch the vault in our stars obviously i'm not the kind of person who would besmirch ya but if you're that seems like a pretty significant thing that that's what it got beaten by. Like, right. I, I can feel like a lot of studios would say this is not a hit specifically because like, oh, this was a yeah. tailor-made summer blockbuster movie and it got bitten, it got beaten by a teen cancer love story. I want to see it get so, bitten by teen cancer love yeah, story I know, that things. Would be I would watch that movie. Yeah. Uh, I want just Shailene Woodley like gnawing on Tom Cruise's. Mm-hmm throat for a while um no i know i agree i don't i mean as yeah as of right now it's projected to be third at the box office i don't think it's going to be considered a hit i think it's going to be maybe it'll slow build word of mouth well that's the thing all like a lot the reviews have all been very good the word of mouth has all been very good it just and jamie and i we were talking about this the other day you know i don't think that the marketing was bad on this movie per se i mean i think they sold the movie like sold the movie sold what the movie is very well um i just think you know, it's hard to make this movie feel like it stands out in a way because uh, it's like, look, you know, the mech suits and the like. That's not, the, that stuff doesn't really make it feel very unique. The time travel thing, everyone goes, oh, so it's like Groundhog Day on a battlefield, um, and it's in a well, way that, it, that's what it is, right? Exactly, I mean, that is what it is. No, it is, and that's exactly so. So that's a fair assessment. Um, but I think it's easy for people. You know, people don't necessarily feel the love for tom cruise these days and i think it was hard for people to see this and go it, it felt a lot like oblivion which was which a you know average maybe slightly better than average science fiction movie that he was the big lead of last right. year which i deliberately did not see yeah and i didn't see the will smith one either even yeah. though they're the same movie i think <laughs> No, they're not the same movie, but neither like, one's very. Neither one's look, great. Did they or did they not look like the, the same premi- movie? Yeah, the 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 pitches are similar, but yeah, they're not quite. Well, the same. I thought they were at the exact same. One time. is way sillier than the other. Let's put it that way. Well, anyway, it's just I feel like I feel like uh, studios have been trying to prey a lot recently on the aging, slightly aging, pubescent male demographic who. Uh, balding guys in patches <laughs> right, so t-shirts right, so, like so, the guy we saw walking out of the theater. I'm sorry, yeah. So we were, we were walking in a theater and literally there was a guy walking out with a comb over, just like the, the best comb over I've ever seen in my life. And a, a yeah. And Pax East I mean, I've been yeah. to Pax and it's fine, but just, I feel like that demographic has been targeted heavily yeah, lately. Absolutely. Which is fine. I mean, we're part of that. I mean, yeah. we are, we are. Um, so, for the record, neither of us has a comb over. Just saying. Not yet, no. Um, I'm building up to that slowly. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm pacing myself, Sarge. Yeah, all right. Um, but no, I mean, th- no, look, I think that, uh, you know, Cruise, th- here's the thing, though. Cruise is great. 
in this movie. You know, like you can't deny he's, he's, his he's, he's, movie he's, star he's, he's, power charisma. He's you know? the same as he always is. In oh, everything. Yeah, no. Look, that's he is a known quantity. You know, like he's he, not doing anything. He's not being radically different in any way. But he absolutely carries the movie what, like with energy. How, uh, I mean, how many movies has he been in where he was not? some kind of action star. Well, but I would like to point out, though, that all the movies he's been in where he hasn't been an action star, he gets raves and usually, like, award nominations and yeah. stuff. He's, like, A Few Good Men, Rain Man. Right, and that's my whole point. Magnolia. Um, I was in Vanilla Sky. Right, and Tropic this, Thunder. this is exactly my point. Yeah. I would be more, like, I'd be happier to see that yeah. than, th- I don't need to see more action crews Right, but I think I think it's unfair to Tom Cruise in a way, which is a sentence I can't believe I just said out loud. um, Because it's not. I feel like it's all about public perception. You know, like you're right. He's doing something we've seen him do basically like many, 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 many times before, and that makes it less special. Right, but it also but it doesn't mean that he's bad at it. Like he doesn't. He he still has all of the presence and everything, and like. Like, if you were a movie exec and someone said, this is the movie we made, you'd be like, fantastic, let's roll this thing out into a million theaters. This thing is great, you know? Right, but that's the problem, is that for a, for a movie with a premise like this, with right. this demographic being the target audience, with, just with, all, with, with this particular set of right. variables, the only way it's going to be anything memorable yeah. is if it's surprising in some way. Right. And absolutely nothing about this movie surprised me. Nothing. That's fine. That's and, a fair assessment. And while it was fine at what it did, eh. But at the same time... I just found it... But I just found it really enjoyable to watch and I found it enjoyable to watch, you know, as we said, his progression to becoming the Tom Cruise yeah. action guy. Yeah. Instead of just starting that way. Right. You know? And being so smarmy and ridiculous at the beginning. Like, so far the opposite. Like like that movie that he was in. What was it? He was a private detective. I don't even remember now. Tom Cruise is a private detective. No, no, he was. He was. It was. Uh, someone gets assassinated from a parking garage, and he has to. Reacher, Reacher, Reacher. Yes, which Reacher. Was, which, oh, which is great. I mean, he's very Tom Cruise in that oh too. God, I but he's great. It. But he's great in it though. That movie's very uh, good. But I was gonna say, like, I will say one of the things about Tom Cruise is I feel like a lot of people who become known for one specific thing do the same specific thing over and over again whereas like Tom Cruise may do a lot of like the action-y movies but the plots are all very different you know like he's not just doing like a million movies where he's a spy you know or a million movies where he's fighting aliens you know like the plots are he may be doing a very similar kind of thing but the plots and the characters are all usually very different well and i love which that i appreciate he, as i was saying i love that he's really you know it feels like he's using in a way you know i feel like he's using his star power the fact that he can basically still get any movie he wants to get made made to do stuff that's Kind of a little unconventional and a little like genre-y, you know. I mean, he's stuff like Oblivion and and this like this stuff that is, you know. I mean, sure, you know, sci-fi is very in right now, but I feel like the fact that there's a Tom Cruise sci-fi blockbuster action thing every year now is part of what makes is what helped make sci-fi more mainstream. And I and I kind of love that because you're right, he could totally just. You know, cruise past. No, no pun intended. <laughs> I see what you did. There. Yeah, I see what you did there. Um, he could totally just skate by doing stuff where he's like a charismatic lawyer, or you know, like twelve more Jerry Maguires, basically. Yeah. You know, like daily, daily, 
Yes. What, what was your favorite thing about this movie? Seriously. My favorite thing? I, the time loops. The time loop stuff. I was going to say, I, I can't point to a specific thing, but I just really... It's a lot like Pacific Rim. It's travel. like Pacific Rim in that I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And every time it's on TV, I'm like, oh, Pacific Rim. I like that movie. And I watch it. You're like, yeah. I've seen Pacific Rim in pieces like maybe 30 times because... <clears throat> Whenever it's on HBO, always we, part, on we HBO turn it on. Right yeah. now. And we're like, oh. Like, just last night, we were waiting for some friends to come over, so we didn't want to, like, put any one specific thing on. We're like, oh, Pacific Rim's on. Yeah, throw that on. That's good. And no matter, for no matter what show point yeah. in the movie you're in, you're like, oh, great, let's watch this. And I know I'm going to do that as soon as this movie's on TV, and we're probably going to buy it. And yeah. it's going to be one of those things where when we're sitting around, we're like, I want to watch a movie, but I'm a little bit sleepy, so I don't want it to be, <laughs> I don't want it to be, like, like super serious. Yeah. Like, he keeps being like, Wolf of Wall Street. And I'm like, it's 1030. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> something like that or like the other day I really wanted to watch Prisoners and you were like it's the middle of the day I don't want to be depressed you know like, <laughs> and in those sorts of moments we usually reach for something Marvel you yeah. know we're yeah. like okay well what Marvel movie haven't we watched in a while like I could go for some Thor what about some Dark World you know something like that I feel like I would be perfectly happy to be like ooh Edge of Tomorrow we haven't watched that in a while let's watch that movie sure it's I mean, it's popcorn entertainment. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with it. No, there isn't. There isn't. <laughs> but, but but going back to Pacific Rim, number one, the first ten minutes of Pacific Rim and the first ten minutes of Edge of Tomorrow are exactly the same. <laughs> number two, <laughs> that's the same sequence. Number two, imagine if Tom Cruise had been in Pacific Rim. Think how much worse that would have been. Yeah. Which character is and, Like, as Charlie Hunnam? Sure. Any, well, I don't, I don't care as anybody. Think how much worse that it would have been. That would make sense. Well, he's too old to play Charlie. I know. That's character. what I'm saying. What? He could be. He could be the dad of the. Father but no, you son. could flip it the other way around. He could. If you you, you could have. Well, no, yeah, he could have been the Charlie Hunnam character if you reversed the brothers around and made it. Oh, my my little brother died instead of my big brother died. He could have. He could have. Either still way, been the. Lead my, my, the point is, does the question becomes? Yeah, I think he would have been great in Pacific Rim. Sure. No, but but, but thing is, like, I think that the movie is made worse because of his star power. Because this movie, this yeah. any movie, because oh, okay. because it's like it's Tom Cruise in an action movie. I wonder what's going to happen. At the end. <laughs> like, you okay. know, whereas I mean, like if you go in with someone you don't really know, yeah, they that, could. It, there, there's could more happen, mystery. Yeah. Like you don't, or not mystery, but more suspense. Sure. I, I mean, I am never worried that Tom Cruise isn't going to win. So never. I have a question then. So what you're saying is you totally would have been on board, and you might have really enjoyed this movie if the ending were different. No, if the casting were different. Well, no, no, no. But, <laughs> no, no, but if Tom Cruise... Your problem yeah. seems to be that with the Tom Cruise movie, you know it's going to get sewn up very neatly. You know nothing bad's ever going to happen to Tom Cruise. So if he had actually just died, if they had all just died, saving everyone, would would that have changed things for you? Because then it's a Tom Cruise action movie, but he dies at the end. I would have been more pleased, yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, and, and look, and I think the end of the movie is probably might be one of the weakest... Like that last seen, scene is really I was weird. getting nervous, be, and I had been trying to avoid reading about it because I had, even though it's only been out for two days, I've already seen a lot of things pop up on Facebook. Like, oh, oh, I really loved Edge of Tomorrow, except for the end. That yeah. was a cop out. Well, there's such so, a cop out. There's no reason, and also there's no reason to explain well, why that should have but happened. But here's what I think is what happened. I think that right as the Omega was exploding, Galaxy Quest, it had latched into him. So it was like almost like they were fused, like they had been before. Yeah. So it's almost like. It, imagine that, like, he got to pick the reset because the Omega resets whatever it wants, whatever it needs to reset based yeah. on, oh, well, my Alpha got killed, so I'm going to reset to this point. 
you know, mm. so that we can redo it. So it's like for one second before the Omega explodes and before he dies, he gets to reset. He gets to do his own reset, essentially. Mm. Um, well, there's a- but it is, I mean, yes, it is a cop-out. I'm just trying to figure out a plot way to explain it. And I kind of, I would have liked it better almost if they had done some sort of compromise. Like, he got to reset, but nobody else did or something. The fact that everybody got to reset and everybody turns out to be okay is well, kind of annoying. Here's, well, here's the other problem. Yeah. There's there's a, if I can nitpick the ending for a minute, it do, it's not a reset. Because if you think of, like, the press announcement, at, like, at the very end, it's like, yesterday, a huge energy discharge came out from France, which means it's he didn't go back in time. So why is he arriving in London the well, day after the... No, here's the thing. I think he did go back no, he in did, time. Yeah. He did, because he's he's on the helicopter, and they're like, oh, Major, thank you for arriving. But right. I think basically what happened is he got to reset for the world, but the Omega was still exploding. So I think the Omega still exploded at the same de- like the same time. It just I because you gotta come up with a reason why it resets, but it's the Omega still explodes. So I think to an outsider's perspective, right. it's gonna look like the Omega just exploded. But so I think it is one of those things. It's a cop out. It's a fucking cop out. It is. But as it resets, I think, imagine that it's Think of it exploding as exploding and... As, well, I was yeah. going to say, A, exploding in every timeline, just like the yeah. TARDIS. Yeah, or exactly. B, it's exploding as it's getting sucked back into time for the reset and finishes its explosion there. Things get tricky with time So travel. it's all good things. <laughs> yes. In other words. Exactly. But I also think another reason it's why I think he should have died, another reason why I think they all should have died, is because... I thought, and I expected Emily Blunt to say this very explicitly because she is such a soldier. But when he's trying to save her, like when he gets to this point where he's known her for too long and he can't watch her die anymore. Yeah, and so in the farmhouse where he's trying to basically be like, just let me do this alone and you're gonna die and I can't take anymore. She starts to say it. She's like, look, this is war and I volunteered for this. But I thought she was explicitly going to say, like, you're literally talking about saving me at the expense of the other 7 billion people in the world. Like, if saving me means we don't get to the Omega, you're going to kill everyone else in the world because you can't bear to watch me die. Like, that's offensive, It's especially you, to a soldier. What do you mean, because save me but not... Uh, the whole point was that he wanted to let her leave her in the farmhouse that he could get to the Omega himself. Right, but I... I don't think he would have gotten it. Well, I don't know if he would have gotten it. And I don't... No, but I was going to say, I don't think he could have done it on his own, and she very much thought that she should go with him. It seemed clear that she thought she would be more successful at killing the Omega than him, but... I wanted her to make it clear that, like, that's offensive to a soldier and that, like, there are casualties and you can't get sentimental about stuff like this, especially when literally the lives of seven billion people are on the line. And so... I kind of feel like that would have been a nice payoff to all that, to have them actually die, because, like, it's worth it in the end. You know, like, you're saving the entire planet, and you can't get sentimental about one or two people's lives when that's the case. Mm-hmm. Well, it also, the way that they did that didn't make any sense either, because he said, if, if he said, I've done this all these times, you, you never make it past the helicopter, right? That's yeah. what he said. Yeah. And, he said and, and he said, if I go on and... Do the Omega while you're already dead. You're dead forever. Yeah. Right? Yes. So what does he do on the next go around? 
theoretically, it would make sense for him to tie her up in the farmhouse and then go on without her. But no, he doesn't do that. What he does is he let her he lets her go to the beach while he goes to the farmhouse, gets the helicopter, and goes to the Omega, right? Yes. That's but true. He but wait, wait, wait. But what did he see happen to her on the beach? No, but I was going to say, but I don't think he knows for certain that she would die every time on the beach. Because especially the first time we see her die on the beach, it almost seems like he distracts her. Yeah. Like, she's looking at him when she dies on the beach. Like, yes, I mean, she died on the beach Statistically, she many, will many almost times. certainly die, die on, on that beach. beach. Yes, of it's, course, it she will. It just seems like a questionable decision on his part. Yes, yes. I agree. That's all I'm saying. Uh, well, it's, I think we'll probably... It's probably about that time. Yeah. Heart of, the, Heart of the Ghostbusters? So I was real quiet. Yeah. On the ride over here because I was trying to figure out who the hell to pick because I didn't really like anybody. Really? So, not like Emily Blunt. She's awesome. Yeah, you're going with Emily Blunt? I didn't say that. Until okay. I never think until you ask the question. Okay. Which okay. is why it takes me forever. I feel like Daly's going to pick the scientist guy. Uh, n- n- no. I mean, I, I love the scientist guy. I always love Noah Taylor. I know who he's going and for, everything. and I'm going to do the same thing. Of course. Sergeant Hulk. Bill Paxton, yeah. It's Bill Paxton. Oh, yeah, it's, I love the Bill he's Paxton. He's going to yell at you about religion, though. It'll probably end with you getting baptized. Yeah, like, but he looks... Do you really want to go get a beer with it's him? Enti- no, it's so... Inter- he's, he, I, love, I love those, like, really verbose, like, military drill sergeant characters. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm also loving the Bill Paxton renaissance we're living right now, where, like, he just... He show up. He shows up in everything. I feel like all of a sudden, and he's really playing can, into that. Can like, can we just compare how aged he looks, especially compared to Cruz? Though, oh, like, yeah. I actually had to for a split second question whether or not it was Bill Paxton because it was like, it. I think it's Bill Paxton, but he looks so old. Is he really that old? And then you look at Tom Cruise running around like he looks like he should be in born in Fourth of July, born on the Fourth of July, still. And yeah. you're like, what? What? Well, he's, you know, we've been watching him on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they're certainly, I don't, I don't want to say they're aging him down, but they're trying to make him look kind of vigorous and, and still healthy yeah. and strong and whatnot. Whereas here, yeah, I think they've aged him up a little bit, or they're not aging up, they're letting him sort of play more his own age. Um, but yeah, no, it's like, it's like all of a sudden Bill Paxton sort of somebody figured out like, hey, you know what, Bill, he's been doing this forever. And you know what everybody's favorite Bill Paxton is? Aliens Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. So can we just have him riff on those roles for the rest of time? Because then everybody wins. Yep. So yeah, no, Bill Paxton forever, man. That's my choice too. Bill Paxton. Gotta love it's Bill Paxton. tough because it's like on the one hand I really want to pick Emily Blunt because she was awesome. But on the other hand, it's hard to say because I feel like we, and this is one of my quibbles about the movies, I feel like we got to know very little about who she is as a person. Sure, Like, what was she before she was a soldier? Like, she mentioned she volunteered, you Mm -hmm. know? But, like, what did she do? Why did she volunteer? Like, what pushed her to volunteer? Um, You know, who is this guy that she doesn't want to talk about that she had to watch die 300 times? What's his story? Uh... So it's like, I feel like I never really got to know her, so I don't, I mean, maybe that's why I should pick her, so I can have a beer with her and get to know all these things. There you go. You can crack that shell, you can find out, you know. See, there's something that would have made the movie more interesting for me, if the whole time it was from her perspective. The whole time. Oh, even, so you even, mean you would like to watch a movie about Emily Blunt? Yes. <laughs> yes, I would. Tell Hollywood. I mean, <laughs> I mean even, even if it's still Tom Cruise as the guy with the power, I would... I would like. I think it would be more interesting. I think the script would surprise me in ways that it didn't if yeah. it was always from her perspective the whole time. Hmm. That would be fun. Yeah, it's just sort of, this, sort of she had this power and lost it, and is sort of lamenting it going into this big battle, and then stumbles upon some 
guy. Some guy who, like, oh, oh you, you, all oh, right, we'll figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Like, you told me to come talk to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that'd be fun. That'd be a fun I movie. mean, I don't know how you'd do it exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and how you would continue to Just, make yeah, I, got, story I don't, I don't know that. how that would work. Once but... they meet, I feel like it would be really hard to continue to make it her story. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know. But either way, it just... Because she would keep going and doing the exact same things every day until he came to found her. It came to find her. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it, it would have. To, I mean, if, I mean, if you, <laughs> I mean, if you did this, the same story from her perspective, it would have to be on the last day. Mm-hmm. And there'd be so many pieces missing. I guess. Yeah. Except that, I don't know. I mean, if you could, if you could somehow execute that, like one, not it wouldn't be real time, obviously, but one consecutive day from her perspective of the last time that Tom Cruise did all this mm. stuff. I wonder what that day would look like. Mm, curious, 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 or mm. incurious, sir. So you're, you're, you're. Stick, so Emily Blunt, Emily Blunt, yep, and Bill so Paxton. I can ask her all my questions. Fabulous. Who she is and where she came from. That's a well. There that's, you have that's it. That's a fair point. Uh, well, anything else on Edge of Tomorrow before we failed, change gears it, here? It failed the Bechdel test. In case anyone cares, I care. Well, yeah. There's only. Two, three female characters with lines that I can think of. The so one Jake in J Squad, her and the secretary. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean not Michelle Rodriguez? Yeah, but they yeah. never talk to each other. Right? Yeah, no, no. That's what I'm saying. There's only the three, and they none of them ever really share a scene together. So, well, the secretary and her, but yeah, they're not. They don't talk to each they other. Don't talk so. to each other at yeah. all. She sits there silently the whole yes. time while Tom Cruise talks to Brendan Gleeson about the secretary. That's true. <laughs> Uh, but I'm just saying, with that few number of women with speaking roles, it's not surprising that it doesn't pass. Um, but then again, you know... Well, then, you know, <laughs> you've pointed to a greater problem. No, I'm not defending it. <laughs> I'm just saying that's not surprising. Um, the, you know, some I did see somebody make a, a good point that um, this is, I think, Emily Blunt's a, a good example of a character that she you could have flipped that gender and really need, had to do like almost no rewriting of the script like there's nothing about mm-hmm. her character that demands that she be female as well, the crucial well, parts like, of the story except for like, except for Tom Cruise and... well, but uh, but there's they no can like still make out even if they're both boys yeah like 2014 <laughs> Pro- no 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 I know that but not how great would that be but if not... they were an action movie and then like on like a just regular straight up action movie like nothing to hint otherwise and then all of a sudden at the very end it was like when they're about to die like I really wish I'd gotten to know you better. And then they make out, and they're both totally all about it. But that's, like, not even what the movie's about. It's just, like, that one quick little scene. And then they go and they die. And then he goes and finds the other guy at the end when it reboots. And then they get to be together. That'd be amazing. I know, but again, not with Tom Cruise. It would never happen with Tom Cruise. This is, like, the only instance in which I wish it had been a man. Because that would have been instead of a woman. That would have been the greatest, yeah. and like it wasn't part of the plot, and yeah. it's not well, hinted at in the advertising. It's just a thing. It's like they became brothers in arms, and it was like something more. And it was like this unspoken thing the whole time, where he was trying to save him and stuff. And then they're both totally all about it. That'd be awesome. <laughs> then it really would be 2014, right? right. And it would. St- Still fail the Bechdel test. Well, yes, <laughs> but it would be doing other things very well. You're not wrong. But when you when you have when you have this uh, conversation in the future, as I know you will many many times, about like the idea of that you know you don't have to write 
especially for women, that like any character right. should you should no, be able to, say, to flop the gender. If you have written a character well, then yeah. you should be always be able to yeah. flop the gender without it changing the character at all. Emily Blunt in Age of Tomorrow is a perfect example of that yeah. because there's no like the ro- there's, there's nothing no in there that strong romance be between them that it's like driving the story. I nope. mean, it's a nice subtext, but it's not yeah. really. No, like, there's nothing yeah. in that character that demands she be a woman. Yeah, nope. and I also liked. Because at first I was confused by why she decided that she had to be the one to lead the Alpha away, and he would go throw the grenades in. And yeah, I was kind of waiting for well, you. Yeah. It, no, because at first he was doing it that way because he was trying to, you know, sacrifice himself. He wanted to be the sacrificial lamb, basically. And she yeah. was like, neither one of us is getting out of here. And I was like, then why does it matter if you do it his way or your way? Like, what's the damn difference? But then I realized it once they stood up. Like, yeah, yes, it's so limping. Tom Cruise can be yeah. the big hero. But yeah, he's limping, whereas right. she can run. can run away from She can yeah. run still. He cannot be a diversion. She yeah. can be a diversion. Yeah. He can be a snack. Um, what did you think about the uh, mimics themselves, design-wise? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember about... I had a thing about that. Sorry, I know you want to talk about design. I want to know why they call them mimics. That's a very specific name, and yet they don't seem to do anything that involves mimicking. Correct. Uh, some of the... Why are they one, one of the reviews I read... I, you're right, I don't think it's very clear in the film, but one of the reviews I read at least seemed to suggest or posit the theory that... Um, that it was like a nickname that people came up with because of their ability to seemingly like anticipate people's moves, uh, humanity's moves, and and that's not mimicking. No, us. I, I know I, that it doesn't really. That's like seeing, I feel like being should, able to see the future. I feel like it should stand for something. Like if it's not actually <laughs> mimic, but if it's like like M-I-M-I-C? Muto, like Muto's, yeah. like Muto's, right, right. Like if if it were like they were MMCs. And they just call them mimics. Yeah. yeah, like that would be fine with me. Yeah, and simple. or I was like, maybe it's because they all look alike, so maybe it's like they're they all they all look the same. Different. Racist, racist. That's true. <laughs> um, I don't know which which design wise. No, design wise, I mean, there. I I kind of like them. There's a biomechanical thing going on there. It's like they kind of look uh, metallic, but they're <laughs> certainly organic. Um, uh, they're they're very. Um, they look like Michael Bay's version of version of the Sentinels. Oh, I also yeah. like I also like in terms of you know regardless of that where the people in the bar are having their conversation about like but why are they here? What do they want? Like, do they want our minerals? Do they want oxygen? What? Are and Tom Cruise turns around. He's like, does it matter? <laughs> he's like, they're here. They're killing us all. They're winning. Yeah, I was, that's all we need to know. I was, <laughs> and I was waiting, like, that is all I need to know, Tom Cruise. <laughs> I was waiting for someone in that bar. To say precious bodily fluids. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it. But I no. would have believed that explanation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. From a design perspective, I like them. Yeah. I like the sort of organic, metallic nature. Um, I mean, if it, they're basically all limbs, uh, and so it's a lot of except for their weird locked open I mouth. I couldn't yeah. tell though. Really quickly, the way they moved, I couldn't tell if it was almost like Transformers, where or like. Is this Transformers or Terminators? There's some movie where somebody gets, like, stuck with something, yeah. and so they, like, just rearrange their body around it so uh, that now they're unstuck. It's Thor. It's uh, the Oh, yeah, it's that metal thing. The, the Devastator, Devastator and, and Thor. Thor yeah. So I 
couldn't tell if they almost moved in that way, like that kind of crazy curvy way, or if they were kind of like teleporting in a way. Like the way they moved was so like hard no, to get a fix on. I think they just they're maybe I, they're just fast and spinny. Yeah, I think they just so spin around. Like they're more octopus like in that it's sort of like yeah, they have a face that's forward, but they can just sort of throw their whole body yeah. around. That's what I was going to use an example earlier, by the way, though, in terms of like how Tom Cruise could rest on his laurels. He could just be doing like Transformers Four. Like he yeah. could be the Mark Wahlberg in Transformers for doing like Michael Bay blow stuff up movies but instead he isn't you know yeah. like he's doing I would like, argue that this is kind of a blow no. stuff up oh, movie oh this was so much well, better than y- a blow stuff yeah, up yeah no movie. it is but there's yeah there's certainly it's not just like hey this is a pre-existing property that will definitely make a whole lot of money like he's you know he's he, like I said Oblivion's another good example where it's like certainly it's not uh, the most original thing in the world but it's you know, it's it's trying to do it's it's borrowing from other stuff, but it's trying to do its own thing. But it as well, also you know? like relies a bit more on character, you know. Whereas yeah. I feel like part of the problem with the Michael Bay movies is like they don't give a crap about any of the human characters. Absolutely, like, right. they're not three dimensional. They don't do any do or say anything like normal or interesting or like, human. Yeah, I was because that's what I was saying. Nothing natural. Like they just run around and scream, yeah, and blow stuff up or get blown up. That is very true. Well, let's change gears here just for a few minutes. We can talk about, uh, you know, we took a week off. Uh, we did. Bart had a graduation, and it was out of town, and we were running around, and so we didn't we didn't record last week. Nope. Um, we so did watch Stripes, though. We did watch Stripes. <sighs> yeah, let's talk about Stripes. Uh, we love movie. Stripes. No, we don't. Well, well we do. We do. The worst movie I've ever seen. I think it was a mistake to show her to show them the extended cut first. Why? I, because the theatrical cut is a tighter movie, and it also doesn't have a really weird tone deaf rape joke in the middle of it. I, d- mm. I, mm. <laughs> that it, which is like indefensible. Yeah, that is like an indefensible no, rape joke, which I, is why it is cut out of the original like, movie. You guys, part of the problem is like you guys kept talking about how this was a quintessential like eighties type movie. And it really is, which just makes me really depressed. Because it's like, well, there really were an entire, like, decade of movies where everyone thought it was perfectly okay to just have women there for, like, nothing other than decoration and naked breasts and to be there for funny rape jokes and stuff like that. And it's just like, like even the women who are the soldiers just like... <laughs> Soldier, huh, let me get naked. Like, oh god! But they're also so much more. Myself. They're also so much better qualified than than. Uh, yes, Mari and, and isn't that and annoying? Yeah, no. I mean, I think that's kind of like one of the jokes of the movie is that like they're actually like very competent, capable soldiers. Yes, and, and they are reduced to soppy little flirts because a boy looked at them the right way, and one of them spends half the movie topless. Nemo like, agrees it, with you. even though they are the better qualified soldiers. That's my point. I was like, why on earth would he have thought that I would enjoy this movie? Like, there's an entire scene where John Larroquette is just, like, looking through his little people at all the naked women in the shower for, like, a minute and a half straight. Like, that's all it is. And it means nothing to the plot (laughs) other than, like, John Larroquette's kind of shitty. He's a douchebag. But you could have shown that in other ways. Douchebag bonafide. Why would he have thought that I would like this movie? Why, 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 why? I hate this movie. This movie sucks. For the... Nemo? Nemo hates this movie, movie too. Nemo senses my rage. And he feels ragey on my behalf. Well, 
okay, in our defense, the reasons we like Stripes so much are not those things. Yeah. Those are not the things that we like about Stripes. We like some of the one-liners. Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. Is what we like about about Stripes. Yes. Bill Murray and Harold Ramis doing, like, the 80s equivalent of, like... 25-year-olds playing high schoolers. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I was like, Which is... how old are they trying to lie to me and say that they are? It's like, they're 40. Why are they in the military? Although we looked it up and we realized that, like, in the movie they're playing 30-year-olds and Murray actually is 30, which, like, he is a rough 30. Yeah. He's got some city miles on <laughs> I was on like, him. good God. Yeah, he's Ramus was, like, 38, if I remember yeah. correctly, but Bill Murray actually was 31. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the other thing is, you look, we discovered that movie at the ages of, like, what, like, 10, 12, like, that we were... way too many boobs for a 10-year-old. No, 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 we weren't 10 or 12 years old. <laughs> I, we didn't know each other when we were 12 years yeah, old. Yeah, no, 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 but I found that, I discovered that movie long before I met you. I, like, that was one of those movies that would, like, be on TBS all the time when I was a kid. Oh. And granted, all the boobs were, like, you know, Removed. pan and scanned out, but, uh, but, no, when you find, like... That movie, when you're, like, 12, like, that's the funniest shit in the world. Are you kidding me? Like, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, especially if you're already, if they're already being a fan of Ghostbusters, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis can do no wrong. Well, I mean, that, I mean, okay, I don't think I've ever watched the theatrical cut. I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't know what's in that's it. That's not possible. Why not? How is it possible? The extended cut probably just because was we certainly yeah the extended cut was only came out on that you DVD and we'd VHS. certainly seen it before that DVD. I don't think we did, or at least I don't think I did. Oh, I'd seen it many times. You'd never seen it until high school, really? No, I never saw it until you showed it to me. Really? Yeah, dude. And and wow, yeah, no, I don't. I've never seen the theatrical cut, so I don't. Oh, wow. I don't know that movie without the extra shit. In it. Oh no! See, the theatrical cut is much tighter. It's like it's like a half hour shorter. Uh, you lo- you miss out. The only thing that I would keep from the extended cut into the theatrical cut is, is that, the Winnebago sequence. Yeah, the win- the scene at the beginning yes. yeah, when the they're conversation like, in the yeah apartment. the extended conversation right. in the apartment, which, which has is- our single gr- favorite joke in the whole movie. Correct. And the thing is that I don't really want to see Stripes without that scene. Right. But the thing, but I could if you left literally just the, that scene in and cut all the rest of the stuff, it's I'd fine. be fine. You would be the, fine. With the that. extended uh, bit about him tripping in the jungle with the like Colombian gorillas. No, I don't like, need that. It's goofy and it's entertaining, but it holds it serves, like no value to the rest of the movie yeah, at all. It it's a complete non sequitur. Absolutely no purpose. Um, although it's funny because watching it, like especially since the movie literally tells you this is a bonus scene, like when it starts. Yeah. So End like, of bonus yeah. <laughs> so you can like, you can literally see like the parts was like, oh, okay. Well, I see why it was there. So like the Colombian right. rebel scene is like, oh, so that when later when he comes in, he's like, two people left this base without right, authorization. You know that was them leaving the base. Right. But the movie totally works without seeing them. Which is like, oh, two got they left the base for a minute. So I like, went off to do yeah. some shit, and we didn't see it, and it's fine, you know. Right, like right, exactly. I just want the I just want the check, please. Yes, Joe. exactly. That's all I really want. Yeah, no, the, most of the other stuff is very, very superfluous. Uh, um, yes. And I think that movie is a lot tighter without it. All right, all done. So it's been, it's been about two weeks. There's been a lot of developments um, going on in the, in the Hollywood of it all. The haps. The haps. And men. Yeah, so the thing, big thing that happened the last time we, we talked, last time we recorded, the uh, news that Edgar Wright had left Ant-Man had just broken, like, that right. afternoon. Yep. Um, it's been two weeks, and dear lord, quite a bit has happened since then. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, 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 see if we, let's see if I can go through the whole, we can go through the whole thing. So Edgar Wright left because uh, Marvel slash Disney 
uh, ordered uh, another ordered a rewrite of uh, his script by another writer. Um, the script came back. He said it was terrible and said, if this is the script I'm leaving. Isn't this so all still left. allegedly? This is allegedly this, like Yeah, that. this is... Yeah. I feel the need to say that. No, that's fine. This is, yeah, this is this is sort of... Yeah, this is alleged. It's I guess. Nobody, nobody has Nobody yep. has confirmed this. That's true. Internet um, So, so he left. Well, what, there is definitely a different script. Like, that, that much is, is confirmed. Is that somebody, they hired somebody else to write another draft of the script. Well, but then and why then Edward, and then Edgar Wright left. Well, no. So let me let me go through this whole thing. So, uh, so they had they had a rewrite of the script, brought it done. Uh, Edgar Wright subsequently left the project, um, and so they went out to uh, new directors. Um, they had uh, Edgar. They had Ad, they had Adam McKay who did Anchorman, and you know basically every Will Ferrell movie. Um, basically, they had they had him like ready to go. I mean, they had made an official offer. And it was like Friday night, the word was, there's an offer to Adam McKay, this thing's going to happen. And then Saturday morning, it was, no, this isn't going to happen. And McKay walked away at the last minute, and he turned it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went out to uh, Rawson Thurber, who did We're the Millers, which is not very good. Um, and he turned it down. Um, and Ruben Fleischer was also on that short list, but I don't think they ever really made an offer to him. Um, but he they never really went anywhere with him. There, there are still rumors that he might be the guy for Ghostbusters 3, which is sadly still happening. Um, and so all of a sudden, this became the movie that no, like the toxic movie that nobody wanted to touch. It was like they were just going out to all these directors and everyone was saying no. Um, but uh, just yesterday, uh, it all seems to have come back around and it all seems to have been wrapped up now uh we have a director peyton reed uh peyton reed did uh bring it on the cheerleading movie uh and he did uh down with love which is actually a fantastic movie i haven't watched that in ages we should watch that again um and he a couple years back he actually had a pitch for a 60s era fantastic four movie um like i think he even wrote did wrote the whole script and Apparently, it was very well received, except everywhere except for Fox, who was making the movie, and they turned him down. Um, and he he knows this stuff, so um, it, I mean, he's a, he's a pretty exciting choice. Um, and McKay is actually going to stick around, and uh, he's actually going to do a, a rewrite on the script. Um, they're they're sticking with this new draft, and then McKay's basically going to make it funny, like fix all the humor, basically. Hmm. Um, so I mean, look, it's, punch up. yeah. So I mean, it's it's that's probably the best of a god awful situation. I mean, those are two guys that you know. In any other circumstances, we'd be really excited to hear the, oh. that they're coming on board to make a Marvel movie. Like that would be exciting news. But after this last like two weeks of just Shit. yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to think that you know that this thing is basically doomed from the start. That this thing has to be fucking amazing for it to be even you know to to erase the memory of all of this nonsense that has happened you know um and i and it feels destined that even if the movie is you know good even if it's just better than average Mm -hmm. you know the line is still going to end up being well that was edgar wright you know like Mm -hmm. uh, edgar wright's going to end up getting if if the movie does well wright's going to still get a 
going to get a lot of the credit, I feel like. Mm. Um, and if it doesn't go well, then it's going to be like, well, whatever, the studio fucked that movie from the beginning, you right. know? Yep. Um, but it also feels like, unless that movie's not, like, a huge, huge success, you have to feel like, you know, they may not have as grand of a plan for the character of Ant-Man as perhaps right. they once did, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, if this was still an Edgar Wright joint, and this thing was filming now as it was supposed to be, um, because he also took, like, the DP, and he took a, most of the creative team with him. Oh, I didn't even yeah. know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He took most people with him. So, if this was still an Edgar Wright movie, you feel like they would be very confident on this, right? I mean, yeah. that it would be like, well, you know, we, we like Edgar Wright, you know, we, we you know... Paul Rudd, like, this could be, like, the next big, like, sort of franchise character for us as all of these other characters are starting to hit their third movies and their contracts are expiring, you know? Yeah. That this could be, like, the basically the, the next big franchise. Right. Um, and now you feel like they've got to be sort of like, well, we'll wait and see. You yep. know? Like, I feel like nobody's putting the cart before the horse on this until you know, after opening weekend and they see who actually shows up for this thing. Right. Um, but at least it's, you know, at least it's, they've figured something out. And there's, you know, there's every possibility. This could be, this could be a good movie. Well, um, we'll see. Now, well, now we'll wait and see. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, yeah, we're, they're still sticking for, uh, you know, next summer, next July, I think, is when this release date is. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I'm, certainly my, my, I, my heart is in it. Like I, I want this. I want this movie to be good. I just can't say my hopes are very high anymore. You know, mm-hmm. which is which is a shame. Um, not sticking with its release date, however, uh, is Jupiter Ascending, the new uh, oh, Wachowski yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. uh, it was supposed to come out in like a couple of weeks. In fact, when I bought the tickets for Edge of Tomorrow this morning, yep. um, the Jordan's theater website still has. Jupiter Ascending on their calendar for July. Still says, like, hey, buy tickets now for Jupiter Ascending, which is now not coming out until February of 2015. February? Oh, yeah. That's a big bump. I know. They uh, The the story is that uh, it's so they could have extra time to finish the effects work, and there's certainly going to be lots and lots of effects work. Um, but I'm sad. I was really, really, really excited for Jupiter Ascending. I don't know if you guys have any interest or, you know, this holds any real excitement to you or if it's just another movie that's happening. Just another movie that's happening that looks weird. Well, yeah, it looks weird, but doesn't it look weird in the most delightful way possible? Nope. You're, but I mean, and you like the, you like the Channing. I love Channing. Do you, what are you, what are your, do you have strong feelings about the Wachowskis? Nope. Really? Not, not, you, nothing one way or the other? Nope. Bartholomew? Wait and see. I, but I mean, like, on the Wachowskis get, in general? I don't get excited when I hear the words Wachowskis. I'm not like, ooh, I gotta see that. I'm just kind of like, eh, it'll probably look really cool. But it doesn't make me want to go see the movie. Like, I need to actually wait and see what the plot is and, like, who's in it and stuff like that. I'm like, that when I hear their names, I'm like, that movie is going to look very good. It's going to look awesome. But that doesn't automatically mean it's going to be awesome. I, I guess I am on, a, on my own island over here. No, I, I love mean, the Wachowskis. I... See, see, for me, the reason I I, I I feel like they had their big moment already. Well, Matrix, yes, right, the Matrix. Well, here's see, the thing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but most people did not like the Matrix beyond just the Matrix, right? Like, did it weren't most people super pissed about two and three? Yes, that's I've true. only seen pieces of two and three because I never cared about the Matrix. Um, well, you're a it, crazy person then. That first one, it looked really cool, but again, like that's it. I no, did that first not one really is so care good. about like. 
the Matrix itself. Or oh. I mean, the last time we tried to watch it, remember, I kept asking you all sorts of questions because it had been so long since I'd seen it yeah. that I was like, I don't remember who's who, but like, I never really cared about the different characters. Oh my god! Like I just really? sort of it looked really good, and it spawned a whole like you know, slew of movies that use the same wire fighting and the bullet motion and yeah. stuff, and that's a good thing. Like, it improved effects, and it, like, introduced a lot of cool new techniques to people. Um, but I, I don't, I've never been super excited. I I know their movies are going to look awesome and be technically creative and innovative and stunning. Oh, no, see, um, The Matrix... But I don't care so much about... I. I take each movie as it is in terms of the story. Bart, I don't know if you remember, I mean, you must remember this, but, like, The Matrix hit us, especially, specifically us. I mean, that was, like, a fucking wrecking ball that just... Oh, yeah. I mean, I, we that was one of those things okay. where it's, like, we couldn't see that movie enough times in theaters, and it was, like, we couldn't I'm stop shocked. talking about... Oh, but it wasn't just shocking No, but it wasn't just that, it like, it looked cool, and, like, oh, look at that bullet thing was cool, but it was, like, we used to... That was one of those movies that was, like, just endless conversations about like, well, what could you do this and how would this work out? And well, yeah, okay. exactly. So like the very concept of it just like turned our brains inside out. Would you take the red pill or the blue pill? Exactly. These what are the kind of person what happened? What's going on down that road? Like I remember having like a very long conversation with Rob Donovan once Dude, about like so thinking the something there was something no, going on down that road. Anyway, these were the conversations. Like, the, the, po- the point yes. being is that the first Matrix was visually stunning and had a huge impact on the industry. Yes. yes. And the language of cinematography. Yes. And it was a good story with an interesting sci-fi concept. Yes. The problem I think there, there two, wasn't a really big sci- I mean, it really kind of brought helped bring sci-fi back into the mainstream a little bit, I think, yeah. too. Yeah, alright. And then the second one and the third one did not do that. Yeah. Hi, Nemo. Um, the second one and the third one was reduced to people in mech suits because Pete, that's awesome, but it yeah. didn't it didn't have the same impact on anything. No, no, and also the right. movies just plain old weren't as good as the first one. No, those, that's that's um, fair assessment. But here's the thing, and even I think this even holds true with with the second and third Matrix movies is that even and this is why I will always always get excited about uh, why I always always will get excited about a Wachowski movie is that even their failures are interesting failures to me even the stuff that doesn't work it's you know it it's still the fact that they're 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 trying it and then they're pushing new things you know it's never like oh they just told a flat story it's like no they tried to do something really weird and it didn't it didn't work out the way they wanted to but like the the attempt is always fascinating to watch and cloud atlas is a great example of that because you know they're doing all this stuff with you know, casting these actors across uh, into all these multiple roles. Which I haven't actually seen yet. So oh, I've got them. I've got to, We should watch it. It's fantastic. Okay. Um, but so they've got actors that are playing roles, different characters across different timelines. So sometimes there's, you know, a white guy playing a black man or, you know, Halle Berry plays an old Asian man at one point. Um, and so they're doing a lot of, like, actual prosthetic makeup stuff to try and make these people look. And some of it works. Some of it doesn't. At one point, there's, uh, a young, there's uh, actually... Um, uh, the girl who plays Mako Mori in uh, Pacific Rim. Oh, she's in it, and at one point she's playing a white girl, and it's like really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate <laughs> Are you looking. Sure, it wasn't Saoirse Ronan. Yes, I'm very sure it wasn't Saoirse <laughs> Ronan. 
Uh, no, like they, they, it's like they tried to round her eyes out and it's oh, just, no, it's no. like horrifying to look at, but you're like, but I'm just, I just, I can't look away. It's so interesting. Like, well, it's, that's it's what fantastic. I was say. Like it, and again, it's not, I haven't seen Cloud Atlas either. Cause that's another movie that you keep suggesting we watch yeah. at like 10 30. Um, <laughs> but it, again though, all their movies look really good and I'm very glad that they're taking risks and I'm very glad that people keep letting them make movies to take those risks and to try new things and they're not just like making the same old stayed crap. But again, like, as I was saying, Matrix 2 and 3, most people, eh. Speed Racer is another movie that I feel like looks really awesome. I don't want to watch it. Like, oh, I, I love Speed Racer. I know you do, but I've seen it, and I was like, ah. Oh. I mean, part of that is because, like, I don't care about Speed Racer. Like, I never, I didn't grow up oh, on I Speed didn't Racer. Either. I don't know anything about Speed Racer. I don't care about Speed Me Racer. Me neither, not at all. But so I went into it, and I was like, this movie looks really good. But, oh, my God, it's boring, and I still don't care about any of these people. And so with Jupiter Ascending, it's another one where it's like, I bet that movie's going to look awesome. That doesn't mean I'm. That doesn't mean I'm gonna hate it. I don't. They're not the the Wachowskis are not the kind of people where like I have written them off and I just assume I don't like their movies like I do with some directors. Um, but because I do have those kinds of directors where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not going to see that. I'm not yeah. gonna like that movie. Um, but nothing about Jupiter Ascending's like plot or story or like teasers or anything have made me like super excited for it beyond the fact that I know it's gonna look really cool. Well, it's basically, I mean, the story's basically Alice in Wonderland. It's yes. basically outer space Alice in Wonderland, yes. which is fantastic. Like, that, that I, I, I definitely want to watch that. I, I want to watch the shit out of that. But I will say they are the one set of people where when they push a movie back that far and then claim it's because the CG isn't ready, yeah. they're, like, probably the only people... That you believe where, it? Yes, yeah. where I'm willing to be on board with that and to not think it necessarily spells disaster. They are the only people that I actually think this is a good thing because yeah. it almost seems like... This is not up to our very high standards, and we're not going to release it until it is. Yep. So, I'm willing to think they actually really looked at it, and they were like, this isn't nailing our exact vision of how we want it to look, and until we can get the CG there, we're not going to release it. Yeah. They're the only people that I'd be like, oh, okay, that makes well, sense, and, I'll believe you. And they're also and probably... And it against you. And they're also probably doing stuff that is extremely difficult to engineer. And, uh, exactly. Yeah, they're it's really, probably yeah. new and yeah, exactly. it's not quite going exactly the way they planned and so they need to wait until they can fix it. Exactly. So, no, I mean, look, I, I will be first in line and I say, I, I don't actually own any of the Matrix movies at the moment. I had them and then they were, you know, part of the things that were lost in the great theft of all my DVDs in 2006 uh, and I've never gone back. I keep meaning to buy the box set just to buy the box set but uh, I haven't gotten around to it. Um, but other than that, I mean, I have, I own, we own Cloud Atlas, we own Speed Racer, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Uh, so I, I'm sad, but, mo like, what, the only thing that makes me nervous is that, um, that it's gonna be re re scheduled for release in February right now, and February is typically a dumping ground of yeah. movies, which, like, look, maybe that could maybe play to their advantage, yeah, like, there won't be anything else really big or good in theaters, and, uh, and, you know, it, it'll sort of stand out more as opposed to being one more thing in a crowded summer. Um, but yeah, tip, I mean, from a studio perspective, January and February is where they throw the movies they don't know what the fuck to do with. So, uh, so you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm hoping that it really is the effects and not just the studio balking and not knowing what to do. So, um, but then the, the last thing to talk about is, uh, you know, look, it feels like every week there are two things we keep talking about. And it, part of this is just the timing. But uh, it's Marvel and Star Wars. 
you know. So the latest happenings in the Star Wars universe um, are, first of all, they've begun filming on Episode Seven, which is which is exciting. Uh, we're seeing all sorts of you know set pictures, spy pictures coming out on TMZ. The Falcon um, is back. Yep, there's the, been an X-wing sighting. Yep. Did you that. see the the really great the like note that JJ uh, JJ Abrams put on Instagram? Uh, no. After a couple of like pictures leaked out uh, on TMZ, uh, Abrams Instagrammed a picture of a handwritten note from himself that said, "I really wish people would stop leaking pictures from the set of Star Wars or making ridiculous claims like the Millennium Falcon will will be back in the movie." And the note itself is sitting on the chessboard in the Millennium Falcon, holographic chessboard in the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> it's like very clear. It's very clear and very obvious. Um, so, so this, hey, this movie's really happening. This is a real movie that's really happening. We've seen some practical alien oh, creatures big, the, and shit. The, the, the big space pig? Yeah, the big space pig thing, um, which I'm sure will show up in the movie for like two-thirds of a second in the background somewhere. Right. And, like, and then there'll be six of them CG. Yeah, exactly. And we'll all be like, oh, remember the space pig? Heard yeah. of space pig. Yeah. Um, space hog? But space, ooh, space hogs. There we go. Well, in the meantime, um, but uh, but we've got more casting as well. And, you know, the big thing everyone was complaining about when that sort of first cast photo went out was yep. uh, the lack of uh, female representation, Ladies. the lack of lady bits. Uh, so we've got uh, two very impressive uh, fem- additions, female additions to the cast. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who just coming off an Academy Award, uh, very well deserved for 12 Years a Slave. Uh, and Gwendolyn Christie, who is fantastic uh, as Brienne of Tarth on Game of Thrones. Um, so we still don't know who the fuck they or anyone else really is playing and how big of a role they're going to have in this movie or these movies. Um, but I mean, those are you know those are high caliber acquisitions. And Nyong'o, it should be you know noted, was rumored to be you know had been approached way before they put out that cast photo and mm. whatnot. Um, and I think it was sort of they had said, oh, we've got a couple other female roles to cast. And I think people sort of assumed her. But uh, Gwendolyn Christie's a great a great addition too. Um, and those are two very different, you know. You know, one's very young, one's a little older. Like they're going to be, they're clearly going to be playing very different roles. Is, is there so. anything? I mean, casting. Is there anything that will make you less nervous about this? Anything? I mean, short of seeing footage, like I don't, I don't know. Probably not. I mean, any any movie can have good people in it and still be terrible. So uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think the more exciting news. I mean, it's nice to see you know, so some high quality females being added to the cast. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the more exciting news is, uh, did we talk, we talked last time, I think, about uh, Gareth Edwards, who did Godzilla, getting yes. uh, a standalone movie. He's going to yes. be doing the first the first Star Wars standalone movie. We now know who's going to be doing the second Star Wars standalone movie, uh, and that's Josh Trank. Josh Trank, who did uh, Chronicle, and who is currently shooting Fantastic Four for Fox. Which I'm um, also very nervous about. I know, yeah, you know, I'm a little less nervous about it than you are, um... But well, I have no great connection to the Fantastic Four. Right. I don't care who... Well... Yeah. I just don't love those characters very much. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I, I like them. I don't have a, you know, long-standing well, I mean, history with them, but I enjoy those characters. I mean, I but they, they got good and steamrolled, I mean, well, last time around. Yeah, no, the, those movies are fucked. Um... But yeah, no. So, but he's he's really fun. There's actually there's a really great Josh Trank actually made a like Star Wars fan film a couple years ago called The Stabbing at Leia's, and it's like a 
found footagey thing, and it's like a house party, like a teenage house party, like in the suburbs. Yeah. Um, and you know, two guys get drunk and start fighting, and they pull out lightsabers. But the whole thing is sort of it looks like you know, basically, it looks like teenagers' cell phone footage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's all kind of blurry and dark, and you know, not it's, there's an, it's not well staged or anything. It's just yeah. sort of hectic. Uh, so these the lightsabers come out, and and then the cops show up, and they're stormtroopers, and huh. uh, yeah, it's it's it, I mean it's like a minute and a half, but it's yeah. fun. It's got like yeah. a lot of it's yeah, got yeah. a cute energy to it. Um, so yeah, we don't we still don't know what this standalone movie is going to center on. Um, the assumption with uh, Gareth Edwards don't is be Boba Fett. well, the, don't be Boba Fett. I think people assume that Gareth Edwards is going to be Boba Fett, um, and then the other two, you know, theories are the two. Uh, potential uh, characters that have been floated around for these standoffs have been uh, young Yoda and young Han Solo. Neither um, of which I want to watch. Yeah, I me mean, neither. I mean, I think we'll probably, I think we're probably more likely to get Han Solo. Um, Cast as. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. We'll, Just do something new. Well, that's the other. Oh my God. There was also a rumor going around this week that, uh, that there was a short list. They've got a short, the studio has a short list for, uh, young people to take over Indiana Jones, um, who, like to play the role of Indiana Jones, like young Indiana Jones. Oh, good. Um, and apparently, the top of that list was fucking Robert Pattinson. So you could feel nerds across the world, like you know, tying oh, that, the noose yeah. over their raptors. Yeah, no, I you saw know? that. I, I like... wonder how real that rumor is because there were yeah, like know. very, very vocal rumors that he was up for Finnick and Catching Fire, and then he said in an interview, like you know after the movie had already been cast and was filming and stuff he was like i kept hearing those rumors i kept hearing those rumors so much that i started to wonder if they were originating from like an actual like studio person who really was thinking so i called my agent and i was like am i and she was like no (laughs) she was like you are not being considered for any part in that movie and you never will be he was like oh okay (laughs) no that's look these things always get passed around because you know when they say oh they're on a short list like that's fucking meaningless that's some exec at the studio a list of of, anyone in the age group that has name recognition exactly that's exactly right right. and then some intern sees it and you know leaks it to a reporter so that they can you know prove they have an in somewhere right right and uh, and then this stuff becomes news and it's like oh he's gonna be in this movie and I'm like no no, somebody put together a dream list, a wish list of people, famous people who are the right age, and yeah. that's all, basically. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that's ever going to happen. But, you know, who, who knows? We'll see. But, yeah, no, I... I, I Please, I, God, no. Yeah, that's... Yes, you have my vote. Yeah, um, I want to see that about as much as I want it. Remember when there were rumors about the uh, Dawson Creek guy being... Vanderbeek? Yes, Vanderbeek. James Vanderbeek. James Vanderbeek. Who has... Really come into his own the last couple of years. He's really sort of embraced his persona, and I'm like, I get actually excited to see him in stuff now. It's kind of hilarious. He's he's very much following the Neil Patrick Harris trajectory. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, NPH. Yeah. Anyway, do you remember when the rumor was that he was going to be uh, Anakin Skywalker? Yeah, I do remember that. There we go. Forgot about all that. of this has yeah, happened yeah, before. No, 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 no. Yeah. All the of this will was happen that again. Josh Jackson was going to be Anakin. I don't remember. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I remember the Vanderbeek one. Oh, I don't remember. Maybe they both were. I'm sure they were both on a list that some I'm studio sure put together were. of people who were the right age. Like anyone in Dawson's Creek, cast them. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but anyway, anyway, so we'll see. Point. Yeah, we'll see where we'll see where Star Wars goes. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm more interested at this point in yeah to see where these Edwards and and Trank movies go and and what they pick up with. I 
I would be ecstatic if they suddenly announced, hey, actually, that was all bullshit, and we're going to do something totally different, um, something actually original. Um, and honestly, I don't. F- I feel like we may, if we see something like that, it probably won't be until after this new trilogy is completed, you know, if at all. Ugh. I mean, I feel like they're just going to stick with this, these known properties. You, you know? realize that by the time this trilogy is they got to find a way to keep Darth Vader alive in these movies, right? I mean, Darth Vader is like, they got to find a way to keep bringing back Darth Vader somehow and keep putting him on lunchboxes. I don't think so. I don't know. He was a ghost in the last one. They even changed his ghost form. No, I know. No, but I'm saying like the, it's the... that's the reason you keep do you do young versions of these other characters because then you can have Which, Darth Vader show up. Which by the way up. doesn't really make any sense. Why didn't any of the other ghosts look like they're younger? So right, exactly. No, Why doesn't Alec Guinness if look you're gonna like Ewan McGregor? If you're going right. to be a ghost, shouldn't you just always be a ghost in the form in which you die? Yeah. Like, there's literally no point cathartic or otherwise to show him as Hayden Christensen. For one thing... No one recognizes. him. I was going to say, for one thing... Um, I was going to say, like, people aren't emotionally attached to Hayden Christensen, so I don't know why they care. But yes, Luke and Leia and Han and everybody would be like, oh, Obi-Wan, oh, who's that guy? Yeah. Like, nobody would know who that was! Well, it also completely and utterly Stupid. negates the salvation of Darth Vader at the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. It totally negates the fact that he redeemed himself, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, God, that that is such a slap in the face move. It's It's ridiculous. So let's look. Let's it's rather than end on frustration, let's end on a note of positivity. And I don't know what could possibly be more positive than the fact that Ghostbusters, which celebrated its 30th anniversary just yesterday, uh, will be coming back to theaters. Praise Jesus! Yes. This August, thank. Uh, remastered, uh, restored, and we're getting a, a brand new 30th, an- 30th anniversary uh, box set on Blu-ray. Hooray! Um, this fall, which like look. I owned the uh, Ghostbusters 1 and 2 box set on DVD. I bought it on Blu-ray. Did they release a box on Blu-ray? No, I bought part one on Blu-ray. They put it out on Blu-ray on 4K, so I bought it, um, and I'm holding on to my Ghostbusters 2 DVD. Um, I will absolutely shamelessly buy the 30th anniversary box set even though I technically there are already it'll be literally a double dip of one. It's gonna be the exact same disc I already own of one. Mm-hmm. But I will absolutely buy the uh, the collectors. I will even go for the collectors edition, which comes with a little fun Slimer uh, figurine and a Ghostbusters logo thing. Like like I will I will drop coin on that. It is my, it is it is my favorite movie of all time. Yep. And like otherwise I gotta wait for a fiftieth anniversary for them to do a big thing again. You know, yeah, they'll so. do a fortieth. Yeah, but it'll be like a who gives a shit, you know? Like, it'll be like, yeah, we put it out in 4K plus whatever the format is. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It'll be whatever the new format is. But, like, yeah, I will, I will, I will absolutely, not only will I buy that movie again, I will drop money on the whatever ridiculous collector's set figurine things they feel like putting out. Mm -hmm. Because. Because my love for Ghostbusters is boundless. It is indeed. Um, and we definitely are going to go see this. Because I don't think you and I have ever seen it in a theater together. I don't think we have. Jamie and I saw it in a theater on our very first date, in fact. That's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Commence mockery now. Uh, um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see it in a theater. Even the print we saw, I don't think, was that great. Um, it was in that tiny theater in Culver City. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see it in a theater packed full of people 
It's going to be fun, man. I'll be there. I will be there, too. Um, well, look, next week... Uh, we next, next week? Next week. Next week. Father's Day. 22 Jump Street is next week. Yay! Yay! Yes! We are excited. I, I have not seen 21 Jump what? Street since... Oh, thank you. No, I know you've seen it. Since the theater. Well, Let's so watch it right now. We could watch it here. We own it here, obviously. Um, I just was looking on my phone to see to make sure it was that was what was next week. Um, it appears that there are some uh, double screenings happening on thir- next Thursday. Huh? Uh, oh, we're showing both of them back oh, to back. Thursday, I can do that. Yeah, so that that's that's really a possibility. They're also doing uh, the other thing next weekend. The other big one coming out next weekend is uh, How to Train Your Dragon Two, oh, which I'm yay. also excited about. Uh, and they're also doing double screenings of that as well. I never saw the first one. Oh, it's so good. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's great. Um, and I will, I definitely don't want to make the same mistake we did last time, which is that we found, we watched it on HBO or something. Um, and I really wish I could have seen that in the theater. And I heard that in the theater in 3D IMAX, it was like totally fucking worth it. Yeah, I didn't see it in theaters. So I think it's, I think it might be playing in IMAX. I'm not sure. Um, but I definitely would, well, we should we'll definitely be. see it in theaters. I think. I think that I think it's probably worth it. Um, all the flying stuff is supposedly fantastic, you know, mm. like in the big screen. So, but we, I think, Twenty Two Jump Street will be our oh, yeah. be that, our podcast that, that, material yeah. for next week. Yeah. I think it has to be. So, yeah. um, all right. Well, uh, th- thank you, Bart. Always Thanks a pleasure tagging along, Miss Jamie. Uh, pleasure as always. Yay. Your spiffy new haircut. Thank you. Fabulousness. Thank you. Um, as always, uh, my name is Daily. You can uh, follow me uh, on the Twitters at Daily Screening, on the Instagram at Daily Screening, Facebook, uh, and so on and so forth, and of course on the website, dailyscreening.com. Uh, I hope you all had fun listening. We certainly had fun talking. Have a lovely evening and a fantastical tomorrow. Thank you.